But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Dun, dun, dun. We are going to have fun today because I don't have a survey. But I'm going to make Lou long for them again. This is my new mission in life, is to make Lou be like, I want surveys again. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Find anything. <laughs> anything. So we are going to have fun. I am over here. Lou is over there. So if you're, if you're, if you're traveling from left to right on your radio dial, I'm on the left. He's on the right. <laughs> Remember when they used to do that in the football game, travel, when you used to listen to football games on the radio? Mm-hmm. Moving from left to right on your radio dial, and you're like, now I see that in my head, so I appreciated that. So there you go. That's how it works on your phone. If you're listening on your phone, I'm on the left side of your phone, and Lou is on the right side of the phone. And we're here to tell you that standing firm means actually standing up, right. which sounds like something dumb to say, but when I read you the story that I have today, again, this is my new mission in life, is to make Lou long for surveys because humanity is so broken, this he can't take it anymore. This one's ready to do it. <laughs> We're close. So, so, you're, so you're saying I'm close. I'm you're, almost you're, there. You're getting there. So, whoa, yeah. whoa. I'm almost there. Whoa, whoa. I'm living on a prayer. Or we're halfway there. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I read you a little bit out of the uh, beginning of the first chapter of James. And the reason I wanted to read that is not because that's what we're doing today. We're actually doing the latter part of the chapter. But I wanted to set that as a frame of reference because people get confounded and twisted up about the book of James. And I don't know why. It makes so much sense to me. But for some other reason, James annoys people. So... It's one of my favorite books. Yeah, always remember your rules, Christian. We have context that we deal in. So we have to, you can't just airdrop into a Bible verse. You have to kind of know what's going on around it. Yeah. So James reminds you in the very beginning that you should rejoice in trials because you're standing firm for Christ. And if you are unable to stand firm for Christ and rejoice in your trials, it is because you lack wisdom. What you should then do is call out to Christ to grant you wisdom. Why would Christ hear your cries? Because you're his child. So James is using the concept of wisdom synonymously with salvation. And salvation by nature leads to sanctification. That's why chapter 2 can make so much sense. He's assuming you're already saved and that you're then living in a sanctified manner. Which is why his instruction on chapter 2, where your faith actually produces works, is so important. He's assuming you're already saved. You've already cried out to God. Therefore, if you have cried out to God, the expectation is that you will live in a certain way. Right. right? It's interesting how that those principles are very important even today. I mean, it's like our, our scripture is timeless. It's, amazing. It's almost it's like amazing. God knew what he was doing yeah. writing the Bible. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> yeah. Again, the dumb thing that we say all the time, right? This is another thing we got to make out a t-shirt one of these days, and we'll make millions, right? Right. God right. is better at his job than we are. No, that's profound. We don't need this mic drop. I mean, we can walk away. That's that's. We're done here. That's, Let's go home. That's it. So what are we talking about in James? Well, 
we're going to lead this into a discussion of humanity. So I'm going to try to lay this out, and then we're going to try to make sense of this as it moves forward. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So if you get all the way down to the end of the first chapter of James, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, all right, time out. This is your warning. You think yourself to be religious. Remember, James is talking about actual religion, not trappings or pomp and circumstance, but actual God-honest, God-honoring living. You know, the stuff we do in between the time we open our eyes in the morning and close them in the evenings, right. unless you worked a night shift, in which case you reverse that and the same principle applies. So the actual stuff that we do, he doesn't care about the ritual. He cares about you and your life, how you are living it. That's why he's writing this book. He's writing to a people under persecution that they would remain faithful. And how do they live in a hostile world? That's the assumption. So righteousness in practice. By the way, Christian, he doesn't pull this out of thin air, Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Did you catch the assumption there by Jesus? See, we, make, we get that twisted, right? Well, we don't get it twisted, but we forget something in that. So we understand, well, I don't do the righteous deeds that I do for men. I do them for God, which is good. But what's the assumption? Well, in, in six? Yes, in right Matthew there. Six, What's the assumption? Other people see what you're doing. Because, and the important thing is I'm doing what? You're walking in righteousness. I'm walking righteously. So the <clears> assumption <throat> is don't do your righteous deeds so that men see them. Do your righteous deeds so that God sees them. The assumption in that is that you, Christian, are actually doing righteous deeds, right. that you have been transformed, renewed by the work of Christ, and are now different from the world around you. Therefore, you are clean and living and seeking to live in a clean manner. Yeah. I mean, just like we, we look at Scripture and we see a progressive revelation throughout the Scriptures, we should also see that progressive way of life get better and better as we walk in, our righteous, walk in righteousness and in our sanctification. Um, if, we're, if we're not, we're doing something wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And James picks up on this because James has said earlier in verse 21 of this <clears throat> chapter, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. If you had to describe that with one theological word, what would you give that? Put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and in humility receive the implanted word. That's sanctification. Yeah. Sanctification. That's me living and saying, I mean, he's, he's mushing, it, mushing it with salvation, but one leads to the other. Well, you know, so we say these, these words all the time, and it's like Christianese, and, and, and we're living sanctified lives. Well, okay, so what does that, what does that mean? Go listen we're, to the episode on sanctification, it'll do you good. Right, but, but you know, we're set apart, right, for holy things that God set aside for us to do in advance, right? I mean... Yes, that's Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we say all these highfalutin Christian words, but what it means is living a set-apart life. Yeah. We're set apart unto God, and we're walking in the ways of righteousness that he set aside for us to walk in because he loves us and he wants to see us live a good life. So, you think yourself to be religious, and yet you do not bridle your tongue. All right, why is that important? Oh, my goodness. Well, because what does, is your tongue just a part of you that does what it feels like doing? I mean, does it just do what it wants without you thinking about it? And the answer to that is obviously no. It's a part of you. It reveals very often what is internal to you. It, it, I was going to say it feels like it sometimes, you know, when you, you say this all the time. and It's, it's funny because it's so true. Um, you know, be careful what you pray for. You just might get it. You know, if you're saying, yeah. Lord, 
I'm, I'm, I need patience or I need to watch my mouth around these kids or whatever it is. When I'm in traffic, I, you know, help yeah. me. God will send you those trials. Lord, allow me to be more loving and patient to my children. God mm. is now going to make your children do a bunch of dumb things. Right. So that you may demonstrate love and patience right. in spite of their stupidity. You got to be careful what you ask for. You'll <laughs> yeah. get it. If you try sometimes, you just might find. <laughs> you get what you need. So the tongue reveals who you are. This is why we talk about living a life in a community. This is why Christian community matters. You can only pretend for so long. Right. I mean, if you swear like a drunken sailor in every avenue of your life, you know what you're eventually going to do around the Christian people you pretend? You're going to swear around them. You swear like a drunken sailor around them. Yeah, I I, I warn my kids about that all the time because, you know, they— You you can't just turn it off. It's hard for them because they— And I say that as someone who has sworn like a drunken sailor in their life. Right, I mean, in my former life, oh my goodness, um, all the time, that's all I used to—and I'm surprised at how often I would would use certain terms because now it's like, oh my goodness, I can't stand to even hear that word. Um, I mean, nobody's perfect, but certainly— I have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so much yeah, better. Because what you're trying to change is not the language. I can only pretend heart. for so long. I want to change the heart that's producing that language. Right. This is sanctification. Yeah. The heart is different. Therefore, yeah. the actions that are lead that are proceeding from the heart are different, not the other way around. This, by the way, Christian, not new in Scripture. No. We just read that in James 1.5. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 7. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 10.19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lip is wise. Proverbs 17.27, he who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. In other words, the wise person, the one operating in godliness, has a changed internal leading to a good functioning and proper external. You with me so far, Christian? Okay. So, instead of bridling your tongue, you deceive your own heart. See, we've said this before. Who lies to you the most? We do. You do. Why? Because Jeremiah 17 is always in effect. The heart is deceitful among all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Christian, why do you work? And I'm serious. Answer that question for yourself. I can't answer it for you, and I don't feel like having you lie to me, so you don't have to give me an answer. But answer yourself honestly, why do I do the things that I do? Because if the answer is anything other than I am pursuing right relationship with God and I am pursuing righteousness, you've just found the wrong answer. You know what else you've just found? You've just found your idol. You've just found the place in your heart that is competing with the space that the Holy Spirit is meaning to occupy. You have just found the thing that is more important to you than God. Kill it with fire. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to be diligent. Second Corinthians 13. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? See, what was the, what's the warning there? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Lou loves when I go ghetto. <laughs> Word. <laughs> and there he goes. We have now lost Lou. The only thing that would have been whiter is if I had Cameron come in here and do that. Oh, my. That's funny. <laughs> Sorry. Can't. But that's what he's getting on about. Right. Why do I check? Because I don't want any. This, this, is, this, this is Psalm 139. Search me and know me. See if there is any way in me. 
and lead me in everlasting life. That's the bad paraphrase. But that's the same prayer that's being uttered. You, God, test me. Work in me. Show me my fault so that I may kill it, so that I may then do what? I may walk in righteousness. I may walk in. What's our baptismal formula? Buried with him in death, raised to walk in the newness of life. I wish to do that. I'm a new creation. The old is past. New things are come. I, I, I don't want that to just be a thing on paper. Right. I mean, and it's hard because nobody likes you but more than you do. And, and when you, we all talk about dying to our old selves and being risen in a new life and following Christ. And, but yet we, we constantly are talking about killing our old self. It's something you do every day. Yes. You got to pick up your cross daily and, and crucif- walk in a crucified life. Yes. And, 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 you know, as believers, we are uh, living sacrifices to God. And, and, and God, and the, even, you know, when you're talking about the, you know, the Torah and the, the prophets, and you talk about the uh, offerings of God, uh, you can't offer up something with a blemish in it, right? That's the idea, because you're offering a pure right. sacrifice. So you, you talk about this process of sanctification and, and circumspect, and, and, and you're looking at your life, and you're like, am I living a crucified life? Am I... If I'm not, then we're doing something wrong. You are to be that pure sacrifice. Why? Because Christ has cleansed you. Always remember that. James has not made that mistake. Don't make that mistake along with it, Christian. James is assuming that you're acting in wisdom because you've called out to God. Well, I'm not going to call out to God for wisdom unless I've previously called out to him for what? Salvation. So the assumption is you are in Christ. Therefore, you are the clean one. You are now in Christ cleansed from unrighteousness. Therefore, I'm not trying to do something unusual. I'm trying to live the reality of what has been declared above me in Christ. Right, we need to stop living this <laughs> defeated lifestyle because we, we win. We win, right. We have we have we can conquer. Yeah. We can conquer ourselves and we can live this life of of, of sanctification with 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 the help of the Holy Spirit. In to us. that point, Second Peter one makes this Brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. There it is. See, as long as, as, long I, as, you as, long as I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. And what do we mean by practice these things? Meaning I'm seeking what? I'm seeking God, Colossians 3. I'm seeking the things of God that are above in the heavenly places where Christ is seated. As long as I'm doing those things, the, you've heard me say this before, life then lines up. When I focus on my family, my family falls apart. When I focus on my work, my work falls apart. When I focus on myself, I fall apart. When I focus on God and I focus on living for Christ, my family falls into alignment. Mm-hmm. My work falls into alignment. I fall into alignment because all of those things now occupy their proper space in the you world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all. Yeah, this all is those a baseball things. analogy. Yeah. You ready? We, we, yeah, I'll do a baseball analogy. Let's do that. It's, it's important in every good bullpen, you've got to know who the closer is. You know why? Because, no, you're fine. I've got to know who my closer is because I got to know who's the guy when I need three outs, he is going to come in and mow people down. Not because I need just those three outs, because knowing who that guy is at the end of my bullpen lines everybody else up into perspective. I now then know, okay, I've got my ninth inning guy. He is the guy who handles that. So who now is my guy who handles the eighth inning? Who's my guy that can handle the middle inning? See, everybody else lines up. And you'll see this on a baseball team. When the closer gets injured and then everybody else has got to step up, that guy who was the awesome eighth inning guy suddenly struggles in the ninth inning. And the guy who was getting those outs in the fifth and the sixth inning, you're like, why can't he get anybody out in the eighth inning? Well, because that's not his job. That's not what he's suited to. You're asking him to do something he's not capable of doing. Why? Because the guy at the head is not in place. Christian, 
putting God at the head lines everything else up. Take God out of the middle, excuse me, and what you end up with is now my work tries to occupy that headspace, and it can't. It's a terrible idol. My wife tries to occupy that space. She can't. She's a terrible idol. My children try to occupy that lead space. They can't. They're horrible idols. And they always break my heart. Put God in that middle. Everything else lines up around him. And now my priorities are straight. That's what Peter's talking about. Now, when I do that, has my family really changed? Not really. Has my life really changed? Not really. Has my work changed? No. But what has changed is how I view them and the reason why I do the things that I do with them. Your heart has changed. Exactly. Which means I am now content and I am satisfied with the work of my hands because they are wrought in Christ. I can't fail then. Mm -hmm. Even if my work is drudgery till the day I die, I win. Even if my family struggles until the day I die, I win because it is struggled in righteousness. That's where these things matter, and that's what this is going on about. Well, it will be a struggle. I mean, if you read anything in the New Testament, you'll see that all of the New Testament writers were talking about a struggle and, and... To count it as as, as good. It's blessing, you, yeah. A blessing. Absolutely. That you would suffer for such things. Because I don't have to fear. Why? Right. John 10. Right. My sheep hear my voice and they know my name. Right. And how many of them are pulled out of the Father's hand? None of them. None. And Christ and the Father are one. That's the punchline of John 10. Yeah. See, if you're not walking in all of that, then the punchline of verse 26 here, that man's religion is worthless. Why? Because it's no longer true religion. If it's no longer flowing from the inside out based on wisdom, based on the salvific work of Christ, it is a filthy rag, Isaiah 64. It is horrendous. And I will let you go research exactly what that filthy rag is because it's... Yeah, so I got a smirk on my Yeah, lose smirk because uh, let me... you In the technical term, it is... <laughs> Lou now has the heebie-jeebie, so you can I have do. fun with that. I do. But instead, <clears throat> in my surrender to God, in my surrender in the other areas of my life, because they're rightly oriented, I am living out Matthew 10. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. See, again, why? Not because I'm doing something different, but because I am different. Send Corinthians 5. I am the new creation. Colossians 3 that we mentioned. I'm seeking the things that are above. Galatians 2 that you're talking about. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So because of all of that, my works may be the same, but I am different, and they are now offered in godliness. They are now offered in righteousness because I am orienting them in the right direction. Now, here's the other part is some of your works will be different. You will now raise your children different because you are now offering your teaching and training up of your children as an offering to God. You will do differently thing, different things at work. Why? Because you're now going to work not for a paycheck, I mean, we still like that we get paid for work, but at the same token, I'm now going to work as an offering unto God. All of these things are different. And where I am not offering things to God, I will recognize them for what they are, sin, kill them, and now offer them rightly to God, and I will be a little bit further in my goal of godliness. I will be a little bit closer to being that pure sacrifice, the reality that Christ has declared being manifested not in like some super spiritual sense, but actual work, but being demonstrated in my actual life. So by contrast, we have verse 27 in James. You ready? Mm-hmm. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. Time out. Right practice. <clears throat> 
being built from the ground up, right? This is Ephesians 2. You are no longer you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What are the prophets and apostles teaching about? They're teaching Christ, who is himself being the cornerstone in him, in whom the whole building, which you are a part of, is being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Hmm. Catch the dual work there. Christian, <clears throat> you are a part of the temple of God. The people of God as a total are the temple of the Spirit. So you are, as you are being built up and strengthened and doing your work, you are being built into a part of that temple, part of that worship of God. But the way that that occurs is that you yourself are being a temple for the Holy Spirit. And because you are being cleansed, sin going out, righteousness coming in, like we've been talking about, you are then fit for that larger temple. In other words, it's almost like you're being built for a kingdom that is not of this world. Right. <laughs> Right. And almost right. Yeah. yeah it's just amazing how <laughs> you, you see how Paul uses all of the things that he learned as he was growing up of, of, you know, God's law and the priesthood and the temple and the services. And, and he's teaching people how they fit into this economy of God, this kingdom of God, this community of God. You know, I mean, I love second. Second uh, Ephesians two. I love how. If you have in a second Ephesians, we have something wrong. No, with your Bible. no, 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 no. I misspoke. But I, I love how I, I love how Paul illustrates that we were once far off and aliens to the Commonwealth of Israel, and then he brings it around in Christ through the blood of Christ. We are no longer these aliens or strangers, and we are are part of the you know this this larger kingdom of God, and that that we. We we obtain the promises of God too, so it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing picture. So I, I know it. what you're saying. You're going, okay, James. That's all awesome. That's great and all, but you know what? Um, I, I don't have Michael and Lou living with me all the time, so I need something a little bit more tangible than that in my day to day life. And James says, "All right, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> so pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, care about those who are in need." Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, James didn't pull that out of thin air either. That's your Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. What was the start off of that? How do you read the law? What's contained in it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's awesome. Who's my neighbor? See, people, see, see those guys were really looking for well, they want an something out. to stumble. Yeah. M- make, him, make Christ stumble, well, but they couldn't. Only, but not only that, but they I couldn't. want an out. Right. I, I, I want my checklist. And Jesus' answer is the story of the Good Samaritan. And what was the punchline? Who, who was a neighbor to that? Could you man? imagine thinking of a, 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 a second, you know, first century Jew uh, looking at a Samaritan? They would have been looking at them with disgust and disdain. That, they were that's like, like, American, like dogs to them. American, that's like you looking at <clears throat> like ISIS or Al Qaeda. Right. That would have been the same mindset they would have had. Yeah. Could, could we actually imagine yeah, that, going and that, helping? That'd be like if Jesus was person. today in America, that'd be like the, the story wouldn't be the story of the Good Samaritan. It would be the story of the good ISIS. And you'd be like, well, ISIS can't be my neighbor. Well, no, in this this instance, they were. Mm -hmm. The Samaritans were religious idolaters. They were half-breeds, ethnic minorities, and ethnic whatevers. And they were just hated. Yeah, they were were also in contention with 
with the Jews who say, well, we worship at the yeah, temple. Yeah, but that's the idolatry, yeah. Right, yeah. And yeah. so, and, but and the, the problem is that hated mongrel of a human being, yeah. he was the good neighbor. Right. Because the answer is, well, who's the neighbor? Well, who can you help? Mm-hmm. That's James's okay. point. Right, right. Why? Why do I do that, though? Why is that my standard? Well, because your stand, standard is, I love God, therefore, I can sacrifice. I can do these things, and I can love people because I don't have to hate people. Right. What does Christ say? You come to the, you know, to the temple to make an offering, and you have trouble with your brother. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, leave your leave, offering. Leave your offering. Go make it right with your brother. Then come back, and it will be accepted. And that's the point. Because again, I don't have to have war with humanity because I'm no longer at war with God. Right. I don't have to judge you because judgment has been done already. Yeah, it's not our job. I don't have to worry about that. We're I can proclaim to, to you what. Works. Yeah, I can tell you that thing is sinful. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. But whether or not that's sending you to hell, well, you already know the answer to that, and that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. Right. I'm I'm just here to shine some light. If you don't like it, go take it up with the guy who gave me the light. Right. <laughs> right. So that's the first half. So visit widows and orphans in their distress and keep oneself <laughs> unstained by the world. Wow. Again. What a statement. James doesn't pull that out of thin air. John 15. If you were of the world, the Lord of the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. First um, John 2, don't love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because they all going to die and burn. First mm-hmm. Peter 2, you are a stranger and an alien in the world. So you are no longer an alien to God, but because you are no longer an alien to God, you are now a stranger and an alien in the world. See, because if you were not a stranger and an alien in the world, you would be a stranger and an alien to God. Right. So that's where your Ephesians 2 and your First Peter 2 come together. What's more important, Christian? Your relationship to this place or your relationship to the kingdom that is to come? Choose wisely. Right. right. Now you know what Moses is talking about when he said, I've laid out two choices. Choose life. Choose life. Right. Now you know what Joshua was talking about. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. As for me and my family. Yeah. What's Elijah saying on Mount Carmel? If Yahweh is God, follow him. If not... Follow whoever is. I mean, this is the repeated theme. Mm-hmm. You you can't serve two masters. Right. This is what G- I mean. The, none of this is new. This is all building up. Maybe. So you aren't supposed to walk according to the precepts and dictates of this place. You are supposed to look beyond them to something higher, greater, and better. Therefore, when you see the brokenness of this world, you're supposed to do what? You're supposed to expose it, Ephesians 5.11. When you see... The insanity of this world, you're supposed to say, that's insane, that's wrong, Expose we don't do these that. Things, right. And we not only don't do that, but we make it good and right as much as we can because we are servants of good and right. So, what we are talking about is an understanding of humanity. <clears throat> that's why that's the title of this. We have a concept in theology called total depravity. Now, total depravity gets a bad rap. It's part of the um, it's part of the response to the Arminian remonstrance mm-hmm. and an answer in what I think is biblical theology. So, <clears throat> excuse me. First dictate that I think is biblical is that humanity is totally depraved. Now, what we mean by that is that does not mean that every person, everywhere, at every time sins in every possible way. Great example of this is even Hitler didn't kill his own mother. Okay. Right. So that does not mean that depravity uh, declares that every human being has committed every possible sin imaginable. There are – there is common grace from God. There is moral restraint in the world in the form of government 
community and family. And God establishes those things. Oh, I, I know. Right. But we say that's yeah. one of the reasons. That's where Romans thirteen gets so twisted. Romans thirteen rightly says that government's job is to preserve God's righteousness, mm-hmm. not their dictates, but God's righteousness. So government is supposed to be a curb on evil behavior. Right. That's their job. Your community at large. This is one of those things that we've lost. I mean, people wonder. I'm just so glad that we don't shame people anymore in public. You shouldn't be. Shame in a godly society is an awesome thing because it keeps you in check. I don't do that thing because everyone else would find out about it, and then they would all think I'm a terrible person. Believe it or not, that's part of common grace. That's one of the ways that God, in his providence, rules society. It brings about repentance, too, when you you publicly do something like that. I mean, look at the examples in in the Torah where people would do things, and they'd be set outside of the community. They wouldn't be able to come back in until they... Repented and changed their ways. The family does this as well. What would your mother think if she saw you right now? Right. Believe right. it or not, you're supposed to live like that. You're supposed to be like, if my mother saw me doing this, what would she say? Uh-oh. We're being hollered at. Uh-oh. <clears throat> we, we need to get into that room. Hang on. Whoa, hang on. There you go, that one. <laughs> Office trouble. Thank you. Somebody had to borrow my keys to get into the office. Gotta love it. What was I saying? Oh, what would your mother think? Yeah. You're supposed to live like that because if your mother would look down on you for doing that thing, you know what you should probably do? Not do not that thing. Yeah, not that you thing. Better not do that. That's thing. a common grace from God. So what total depravity says it teaches is you are utterly sinful in that all of your motivations, thoughts, and therefore actions are sinful in nature. So minus the grace of God, you do sinful things for sinful reasons. And what I mean by that is, take this in mind. If there was no law against it, would you cheat on your taxes? If the IRS wasn't going to come get you and throw you in the huskow mm-hmm. and like waterboard you for 20 years because you didn't pay under 27 cents, they turn to the guy, I want my $2! You know, if, they, if the IRS wasn't going to be that guy, would you cheat on your taxes? Yeah, most people probably would. They most people would. They don't see the IRS as a, I a get legal that. body of... I get that, <laughs> but all of that is justification. Right. Even, I mean, Paul and Peter will tell you, this is why you pay... Romans 13 tell you, this is why you pay taxes. Because mm-hmm. your government is supposed to do... So taxes, not all taxation is theft, believe it or not. Right. Your government actually has a, a legal standing biblically to charge you a tax for the services that they are rendering, provided those services are godly in nature. But that's a different discussion for another day. But I'm just going to make sure I lay that foundation out there. Mm-hmm. So, Christian, why don't you cheat on your taxes? Well, they throw me in prison. Wrong answer. Yeah, because I'm honoring God with... All of my increase. There it is. Yeah. And even though I think what they do with the vast majority of my tax money is unrighteous, I submit to that, and by, not because I honor them, but because I honor God, and this is how I function in this society. Right. See the difference between those things? Right. That's where that comes in. Now, that's what we talk about. We talk about uh, utter and total depravity, that you are utterly depraved, is that if there wasn't a negative repercussion, most of us would do a lot more than we do now. Most of us would be playing bumper cars on the interstate if we didn't think we'd go to jail for it. Right. Why? Because we don't like those people and I don't care. The Christian says, no, I don't want to play bumper cars on the interstate because I do care about you and about humanity in general. Right. We're new creatures in Christ. I exactly. Mean, so because that, you have been redeemed. That nature that you're talking about. I but mean, take that away and what yeah. would most people do? They would do the That's total things. depravity. Yeah. Now, right. 
Notice the action. Notice the thought process we do by this. Your actions are determined by your thoughts, and your thoughts are determined by your motivations. This is why it was so important that we understood what James was getting on about, that what is internal to you is flowing out. The goal is to then clean what is internal. That's what we talked about. By putting God at the center, my life lines up. My actions with my family and my work and the community and myself line up because God is now at the center. The actions may not be any different. And if they are different, it's because the motivation of the heart is different. Why does this matter? Because what we fail to realize most of the time is that humanity doesn't get this. Because they lie to themselves, they justify things, they twist and they contort everything in such a manner that they feel that they themselves are justified. Mm -hmm. Not because what they are doing is good, and not even because what they're doing is bad, but because what they are doing stems from a sinful motive. Mm -hmm. And they recognize that the only reason they're not doing worse is because there would be worldly consequences in God's providence. That's why this doctrine matters and why the understanding of it matters, because it points you to a humanity that is fundamentally broken. What's the cure? (laughs) Christ is the cure. See, to bind up the broken, to release the captives. Right. That yoke that that Christ talked about in in Matthew 11, um, it, it is those works of righteousness, I believe, you know, take my yoke. It is light. It's easy. It's not a burden. And that's what ma- and that's what and, matters. And, but what? But we lie to ourselves so much, and we would rather swallow that camel. You know, rather than that gnat. Welcome to depravity, and right. welcome to why in Christ. What we always talk about with your motivations is so important, because even in Christ, you are fighting the old self. You are fighting the old Adam. You are seeking to live renewed because in your heart of hearts, you know what you really want? You still want that other thing. And you have to actively, engaging in your mind, engaging your heart, changing the motivations, which leads to you then changing the actions. Now, who wants a good example of total depravity? We've got Vern over here staring at us. The Bible study people are starting to show up. You want a good example of total depravity in action? Here we go. All right, you ready? Here we go. The passengers who did nothing while a homeless man raped a woman on a commuter train outside Philadelphia may have also recorded the vile attack on their cell phones instead of calling for help. Isn't that amazing? I, I, man, when you forwarded this article to me, I just about fell out of my chair. That is one sentence. And what a sentence it is. I mean, I don't even have a category. I'm hitting the wrong button on this tablet. Stop it. There we go. I don't even have a category for that. That that was one whole sentence. It's a paragraph in this article. The passengers who did nothing while a homeless man raped a woman on a commuter train outside outside Philadelphia may have also recorded the vile attack on their cell phones instead of calling for help, authorities said. I can't imagine. Can you imagine? This is what total depravity looks like. There's a woman on a commuter train being raped. And not only do you not do anything to stop it, you record it? I was going to ask why, but I don't know if I want anybody to answer that question. Like, there's no good answers to that. I was going to enter it into evidence. I mean, I... 
Surveillance footage shows Fiston Ngoy, I don't know how to say that, 35, who has been charged with rape in Wednesday's sickening attack. I give him credit for the adjectives if they're on board. Aboard a southeastern Pennsylvania Transport Authority train, spent nearly 45 minutes harassing the woman and touched her breasts at one point, according to an arrest affidavit. Police say the rape lasted about six minutes as other passengers looked on while holding their cell phones, but didn't use the device to call 911. This is crazy. Six, ins- it, it, it took them six minutes, and then when you listen to, to how fast the police were able to get there within three minutes, they could have stopped this. If somebody well, had, I mean, even the passengers could have stopped it. I mean, well, they, that was my next point. I mean, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is this to look after widows and orphans and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Standing idly by while a woman is raped right in front of you and doing nothing is not <clears> keeping <throat> oneself unstained from the world. They and, are guilty as that man who did it. And it is not helping widows and orphans in their distress. Now, she may neither be a widow nor an orphan, but in that situation, she is basically helpless. Right. Multiple passengers, you know what? They could have grabbed him. It's no different than those idiots that flew them planes into the Trade Center and then... And I was going to say, there's a story, and I don't know if it was ever a true story or not. It might have been one of those, like, Onion articles. But right. I've clung to this as a true story because I need it to be true, and right. therefore it is, it's true to me. It's okay. 2021, so it's true to me. All right. But it was a few months after 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. and it was Southwest. I've never forgotten who it was. It was Southwest Airlines, which is why I can't find this anywhere, which is why I'm fairly certain it's fake. But it's still true to me. And apparently this guy got up on a Southwest flight and swore that he had a bomb and was threatening people. Mm-hmm. And the passengers on the plane, like, rushed him. And when the plane landed, he was dead. And nobody knew how he died. So the police were interviewing the passengers and the flight crew, and they're like, I don't know what happened. He just died. And so they did an autopsy. You know what killed him? Mm-hmm. Multiple blunt force traumas. <laughs> the entire plane beat the man to death. Right. And then got off the plane and went, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. He said something about having a bomb, and then he just dropped dead. I'm like... Yeah. This is why I fly Southwest. <laughs> I mean, I, that, 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 I'm, I'm here for this. Now, again, I can't, I've never been able to find this story, but it's one of my favorite stories of all time. I, I, I will remember it until the day I die. Well, I can remember a guy like, trying you, to, he, we put, he put some kind of an explosive or some, some kind of an accelerant in his shoes, and he was trying to take his shoes off and light his shoes on his flight, and he got beat pretty bad. Yeah, just he was trying beat him to do down. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm here for this, because you know what should happen to that guy in the train? Well, see, he was raping that woman. Well, who beat him to death? I don't know. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He started raping her. And next thing you know, he was dead. That's what should happen. And it should be like an old western where the guy, the sheriff, imagine. strolls in and they goes, "He needed killing." Right. That's what. That's how this should have gone. Why? Because that's how you uphold righteousness. If you're going to do that to a woman, you have forfeited your right to a civilized society. Right. End of discussion. It sounds like the guy was mentally ill, but Agreed. all the same, all but the same, in, in they, they should not have been sitting there watching it happen. Especially and that's the point. Since there are so many people. I mean, even if your intentions weren't to kill the man, you could certainly restrain him. You, I'm still going down swinging. Yeah, you're going down swinging. This yeah. is just no. Yeah. This, this well, is this is not happening. I'm growing up. I've always hated bullies. I've always stood against them, and this guy is worse than a bully. He's well, and a how rapist. do you make a bully stop? You, you punch him in the nose. Yeah, you, you stop him with. These force. are these are my two life lessons that yeah. I'm constantly trying yeah, to yeah. teach my family. How do you stop a bully? You punch him in the nose. What do you do to terrorists? Shoot him in the face. Mm-hmm. Every single time. This is how you deal. This is how you deal with terrorists and bullies. That's this is life. Now, why? Because we seek to honor God, and we do not honor God by allowing you to oppress and subjugate people through terror and harassment. 
In other words, I'm actually living out sanctification. I'm actually living out the purity of life that God calls me to. Sometimes that means he calls me to do things that I'm not happy with. Do I want to, do I want to attack a homeless man who's raping a woman on a train? No. Am I going to stand there and let you rape a woman on the train? Also, no. So while I don't wish to attack you, we're going to fight. We're going to throw down. And if nobody's coming with me and I get beat down by some homeless guy, so be it. So I'm be going it. down At least swinging. you did something. I did something. Yeah. It may not have been fun. It may not have been happy. And it may not have turned out the way I wanted it to go. But you know who won? I did. Because mm-hmm. you know what I did? I upheld righteousness and I defended the helpless. Yeah. And I stood in the gap for people that could not. And I loved my neighbor who was being accosted by punching the person who is trying to wrong them. That's upholding righteousness. Why? Because I don't have a skewed view of the world where I try to be nicer than Jesus. I have a real view of the world that says that sinfulness has got to be stopped. It's got to be dealt with. Which means we might have to do bad things to stop it. You know who's okay with that? I am. Because at that moment, those bad things are no longer bad things. They are righteous things because, again, I can punch you in the nose just for no good reason. I can walk up to you at Walmart and punch you in the nose. Was that a righteous thing? No, not in the least. You weren't doing anything. You're browsing peanut butter, and I just whopped you upside the head. That wasn't good. Now, if you're browsing the peanut butter and trying to grab little girls, did my punching in your nose, is that a righteous thing? Yeah. Yes. In other words, Christian, what, what was the action the same? Yes. What was different about it? The motivation behind it and the service rendered unto God in the motivation of my heart. That's what's different. So in other words, what determines Christian living? What you do or... Why you do it? Yeah. And the answer is always, why you do it? Renew the heart, let it change the mind, and then the actions flow from there. What, what's another, what's a nickname for Philadelphia? The city of? Brotherly Shove. Brotherly <laughs> yeah, Love. I know. And this is so funny. We're talking about loving your neighbor and mm-hmm. standing up for the helpless and, 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 the, and the widows. And in, in, in their city, and it happens here too. I, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong, but I just, the irony of mm-hmm. that, that city. Yeah, I had a church planner just tell me, he goes, it's the city of brotherly shove. <laughs> yeah, because it's a rough place, huh? It is. It's an interesting yeah. place. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's part of it. And so, again, though, what is my cure in this world? My cure is to ground everything in godliness because fear is what gets people on a train to watch that. Yeah, the love of many are growing cold. Well, it's growing cold because there's no love because they are what? They are depraved, and depravity doesn't love. Depravity doesn't care. Depravity just wants what it wants. And you know what I want? I want to not deal with that homeless guy. So if that means I sit over here quietly and listen to you cry and scream for help, then that's what I'll do because that's what makes me happy. Right, but we do the same thing to that homeless guy when he's begging for money. We pretend he's not there. And in this case, he was doing something... That was really bad, and they and should have seen it, and they should there. have stopped him. And that's my point. But they pretended he wasn't there. And you know what? Maybe if we don't pretend like those problems aren't in society, we, they don't occur. We actually do something about it beforehand. Because again, we're living on another. We're living what, on another. But this plane is my point. What changes all of that? The change of all of that is me not just cruising around on autopilot, but me doing what? Me living righteously in all the avenues of my life. So that means if I can help get the homeless man off the street. I do that. But when that homeless man has chosen that and refuses to get off the street and now wrongs someone, I don't allow that and go, well, he's homeless and he's got mental problems. I don't care. In this world, in this righteous place ruled by God, you don't get to do that to people. And if nobody else will stop you, I will. And if I fail, 
then I will wake up in glory because I stood righteously where God has called me. That's the mindset that we don't have because we're not seeking to live righteously yeah. in every avenue of there our are lives. so many cowards out there. Well, because again, what drives out fear? Perfect love. Mm-hmm. Where is perfect love found? In Christ. Right. So in other words, they are fearful because they are depraved. I am not fearful because I am fighting my depravity. The cure for them is what? To see my courage and then understand why it's there. Yeah. So I shine the light. I don't just beat a homeless man. I explain why you're not allowed to do this and why we are going to stand up. Because you, you grab that guy, and then three people finally help you because they saw you being brave. And then you get on the news, right? Well, why did you do that? Because in a kingdom and in a world ruled by God, I do not allow the downtrodden to be oppressed. Not because I'm Batman, Mm-mm. but because I'm Christian. I'm Batman. <laughs> no, I'm Christian. <laughs> Therefore, I do not allow the widow and the orphan to be oppressed. Okay, I gotta stop doing that. Thank you. <laughs> Such fun. Do you sit on your keys? I don't know. Who knows? Either way, I think we're out of time. But this is so what's the cure, Christian? Change the heart, renew the self, ground everything in Christ. If you can't ground it in Christ, Kill it, and then ground it in Christ, and then build again. So, do we need to cover anything else? No. So, what have we learned here today, children? God calls us to actually work. Humanity, apart from God, is utterly depraved. And depravity and weakness are cured in Christ alone. Questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. If there is a doctrine you want covered or a story that you think would be applicable, send it to us. We like that. And we will do what we can because that's what we live to do is to, to make this surveys. all better. Even surveys. Yeah. Even surveys. Yeah. Lou is, we, oh, I've almost got him broken. Lou's like, <laughs> give me a survey. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, but this, this is the fun that we do because hopefully this is helpful because, again, Christian, thinking through your salvation and sanctification in life matters because if it doesn't, If you don't, you're going to find yourself in this, not maybe watching a homeless man rape a woman, but you're going to be in some sort of situation where you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Listen to God, and the way that you can do that is that you've been grounded and built up already so that there is no doubt because they have – you have already taken every thought captive, which means your heart is renewed, your mind is clear, your actions are righteous. Right. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It will do you good. Bye. Bye.